I wanted to do an advert for Anchor. This is the app that I'm actually using to do every episode of Analogy of the Sun. It's super freaking easy. Uh, it's also free. So couldn't get any better than that. If I can use this and I'm able to like put stuff on Spotify and all that, then you definitely can. If you've ever thought of just having a podcast for fun, like what I'm doing, then I would definitely suggest that you download Anchor now and they actually will upload it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and things of that nature or those type of apps for you. Again, it's completely free. There's no minimum listenership that you have to have. Everything you need in one place to make a podcast. It is amazing. So if you've ever thought about having a podcast at all, just for fun, or possibly to add to your work or your business, then please go ahead and download Anchor today. Hi, this is Analogy of the Sun. It is a new podcast I just started, and if you want to, you know, kind of brace yourself and stick with me through this first episode, I promise they will get better. Uh, I am, if I sound nervous right now, it's because I really am. I'm super nervous. Um, I have like stomach issues right now. Um, So what I'm going to talk about is essentially what I've, I kind of, I let my friends know on Instagram and Facebook what I was going to discuss. If you do not follow me on those, I believe my Instagram, it is public, so it should be on here. And if it isn't, I will definitely add it. So I'm going to kind of just discuss um, why I chose the name for the podcast, why I picked what I picked. And then I wanted to kind of go over why I picked the photo that I picked to, um, be, you know, the photo for the podcast, the first thing that you see before you click the podcast is a picture of Russ Cole. I don't know if, you know, there's a lot of True Detective fans out there that are my friends or anyone who's listening to this, but the first season of True Detective is hands down, far and away, the, one of the best shows I think I've ever seen. Probably because I tend to go off things that have a lot of philosophy connections or you know anyone who can quote has a character in a show that quotes Nietzsche then I am automatically going to be drawn to it uh so I'm definitely going to talk about that as well but I wanted to discuss essentially why I decided to name my podcast analogy of the sun if you are a philosophy nerd like me or you like audio slave the rock band then you will probably know what I'm talking about So Analogy of the Sun is actually taken from an allegory uh, from Plato's Republic. And that is the allegory of the the cave. So Allegory of the Cave, just kind of break it down of... um, before we go into the allegory of the cave, I should probably go into Plato because I'm actually kind of speaking to you guys like you already know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to assume you do, um, just because not many people would click on a philosophy podcast if they didn't know anything about philosophy. But for my friends and family that know I love this, but know nothing, I will kind of go back to Plato a little bit, uh, just to kind of discuss 
the whole point of the allegory of the cave for him to even write this. So Plato is, you know, one of our godfathers of philosophy along with Socrates. They believed, and it's very similar to what I believe, and I think a lot of people that are into philosophy or consider themselves to be kind of like a modern philosopher, is that philosophy is a utility. It's something that should be learned and practiced through your entire life. It's something that you should um, strive to live and then also be able to die being fulfilled through the philosophies that you have been taught and hopefully have been able to teach others because philosophy is not something that you just learn and absorb. Philosophy is something that you, you learn it and then you spread the, the word of philosophy. It's not something that you keep to yourself. That is extremely pointless. That is not what philosophy is. Um, you can kind of compare it to religion if you want in a way I wouldn't because <laughs> that's why a lot of people that like philosophy like philosophy because it isn't a religion it's an idea religion is a belief and when things are thought of as a belief whether it's for you or for other people it's something that you would live and die by and I feel like that can be one of the reasons why politics or religion are things that you cannot discuss with anyone some yes they can debate it and it's you know they don't get upset with you but when you come down to really the heart of what religion is it is something that you would martyr yourself for and i think that's part of the problem you know whether you're a christian or not it's you know religion did kill christianity in a lot of ways because people are don't want to budge and move out of their beliefs you know they, you can't come to them and say essentially i mean you can't come to them and say like look i had an article that i posted on substack that i can actually hopefully put in the in the comments or in the in the notes the link to that and it's about another philosopher who i love who i will discuss later on down the road is spinoza spinoza has this idea of god that god is is not this you know man-made or not he is man-made he's not this man-like figure that we were made in his image so that's he looks like us type situation he believes that he's in everything. They, God is in everything. It's nature, essentially. So when you tell someone that I don't believe in the superstitions of the religion that you're in, I believe there is a God, but I do not believe in the superstitions that essentially were created to control a population. And that's exactly what they do. You can't have sex, you know, before marriage. You can't drink. You can't blah, 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 blah. It's a lot of things that are trying to control people's reactions or actions to control a population so it, they don't get out of hand uh so when you say that of course people tend to go at you like what do you mean why would you and they just they like to spout verses from whatever religion they're in um so philosophy tends to be looked at by people more with an open mind and open heart because they're ideas they're not beliefs when you have a belief that's it you can't you can't go any other way but just stick to that belief even if there's scientific findings or whatever it's very difficult to change a belief so plato believed that philosophy should be learned and practiced by all as a utility it's not something that you can choose to do you should do it to help you live and die completely fulfilled um and it's he compares it to education or the lack thereof in the nature that we live in now. So <clears throat> Socrates at this point had just, or not Socrates, I'm sorry. Plato at this point had just lost his friend Socrates. <clears throat> um, 
he was he was killed, which this tends to happen quite often with philosophers. Uh, and, I mean, anyone who likes to bring or to oppose a a different a, opinion or view, especially when it comes to you know political figures, when you openly oppose them, and then you have people backing you, you you tend not to be liked very much by people that are in power. I mean, look at John Lennon, look at Martin Luther King, look at these people that were not only surveillanced by J. Edgar Hoover, but they were also, and has come out that they were killed as well. I mean, John Lennon wasn't killed by anyone on that side, but, you know, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, the leader of the Black Panthers, it's come out that they were all, I mean, they were all jacked with, with J. Edgar Hoover. So if you tend to go against the the grainer, you know, the, the leaders of a country, you're not going to be well liked, especially if you have a lot of people behind you um, because they feel like you have power and people that are in power don't like other people to have power against them, which is understandable. I'm not saying I don't understand it, but it's definitely wrong. So, um, like I said, he had just lost his friend and he decided to, a lot of people kind of correlate this story with that feeling of wow, how he lost his friend and why he did. Um, so it's, you know, the allegory of the cave, which is probably the most famous allegory in his, in the, you know, philosophy history period is essentially just, um, the story is, if you look at it, it's, you have these people that live in a cave and there is a kind of like a hole or crack in the cave and they can see pictures or what they think is animals or whatever it is like they can see it plastered on the cave wall whether it's a tree um an animal a person whatever but they can see the the shadow of what it is and that's what they think is reality well one day one of the people that are living in the cave they actually get they find it find an exit and they get out and they actually once their eyes start to like adjust to the light they see what a real tree looks like. They see the, you know, the detail on the bark and the colors of the flowers and the sky and, you know, what people are wearing and uh, the detail and the color. And, um, he's amazed. He's completely amazed by it. So he decides to go back into the cave. And when he goes back into the cave, um, it takes a while for his eyes to adjust, you know, and he's trying, his eyes are trying to adjust and he's trying to tell the people that are down there, like, look, you don't understand. Um, this is not what, this is, this is bullshit. Like, these are just shadows. This is just an illusion. If you come with me, I will show you what it really is, you know, what it really looks like. You can see all of it, and they don't believe him. They don't believe him at all. <laughs> they think he's bullshit. They think he's crazy. Like, you lost your mind, whatever. And so, that whole idea is, you know, kind of based off the fact of when you try to tell someone something, they don't believe you. Um, and that's, I mean, people like, there's a difference between uh, illusions and reality. And when you come to a reality, when you, when you, I don't want to say woke, I hate that word, but when you come to a reality in your life and you're like, oh my God, I've got to tell everyone, I've got to tell everyone how fucking awesome this is because they're all just, you know, they're living a lie. You know, they're living a lie. I need to help them. I need to fix them. And but the problem with all of us is when we do that, um, we come at people 
and I'm I am just as guilty of being extremely harsh on people. We don't come at them with like the you know soccer soccer tick oh god we don't come at them with the Socratic method which is another a good reason why this story was also written is the Socratic method is a way of kindly nicely kind of gently what can I say is you know someone is you're kneeling someone or slowly lowering them into the bath of hot truth really is what it is Uh, a lot of people should we should adopt it but I don't think many people even know what that is so when you come to someone and you say hey you know that no what you're doing is fucking that's bullshit like you shouldn't do it you should do it this way trust me I've done it and it worked for me blah 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 well the problem with that especially in this day and age is that it's 2021 so a lot of people say that they're usually trying to sell you something (laughs) you know they're usually trying to get you to be like oh yeah can you join my beach buddy you know group or you know something like that so it's always what are you getting out of this why are you trying to help me or when you do come to someone they take it as a you know kind of as an insult you're insulting their intelligence because they've been doing it this way and it's been working just fine and this is how I was raised or this is what my mom told me so when you come to someone and say what they're doing is wrong they're automatically gonna be pissed at you especially if it has ties in family and ties with other things that's the problem with religion and politics is that it has a tie usually with emotions towards family members or emotion towards whatever when you're dealing with personal discussions like that you have to use a Socratic method or there will be no there will be no gain from it because as soon as you talk to someone and you approach them in a weird way wrong way whatever their their ears are closed they're not listening to you and they don't want to listen to you um so that's definitely why i i named it that but the reason ultimately why i named it what i named it is because uh there is an audio slave song that me and my husband have been obsessed with since the album came out it had to have been 2008 2009 i think it's a long time and it's called Shadow on the Sun, and we would listen to it, and Jared is, one of the things I love about my husband is he is just as crazy as me, I guess you could say. When we're listening to a song, he tends to, I think, you know, he didn't do it as often, but he's doing it more and more, and he has over the last decade. It's like, what does this song mean? What does it mean? And so I will look it up, and when we first heard this song, I had looked it up and it was a take on the allegory of the cave or analogy of the sun from Plato. And I had been into philosophy a long time. I wasn't really into learning um, about Socrates or Plato. I wasn't really huge on learning about the grandfathers of philosophy. When I first got into philosophy, I learned about philosophy when I was 14 from watching Clueless, which is, I know, insane and crazy enough as it is, it really was because Paul Rudd, who is, plays uh, Cher's stepbrother, was reading a Nietzsche book by the pool, wearing all black. And of course, at that age, I was, I was gun ho. Like, if that's someone who, if that's what someone does, that you know, acts that way, or they seem smart, or whatever, I'm gonna do it. You know. So I decided to go to Barnes and Noble. My mother took me, and I didn't get that 
it was the complete works or basic works of um, basic writings of Nietzsche. And I didn't get that because I didn't want that. I didn't want anything that was basic. You know, I wanted to kind of dump, like, dive in full force, head first, all of that. And so I decided to get the gay science, which can also be translated to uh, joyful wisdom. And of course, I got it because it said gay science on it. And of course, I wanted to take it to school and have everyone look at it. And I'd have to explain it to them, right? I'd have to look like a smart human being because to me at the time and still to this day if you know a lot about philosophy or physics or music certain music certain um books you are smart like to me that's that's smart um everyone has their own different idea of what smart is and you know what someone should know to be smart or what they should say to be smart or how they should dress or how they should, you know whatever and at the time that was to me very smart to know philosophy or to know certain philosophers. So I would, of course, be the teenage elitist that I was. I would have it and someone would joke and make fun of it. Usually a guy, because it says gay signs, it says gay. So, you know, it has to be funny. And I would explain it to them. Of course, I would school them in the book because I had read it like four times. And... <laughs> I would, it just it just made people probably not like me <laughs> even more than what they didn't at, at the time because I was and still have that kind of trait in me of I'm going to school you on things you don't know that you should know in my personal opinion even though you don't care that's just how I was you know I always had to be smarter than everyone else I always had to be a step above someone in the in the in the brain department I guess but so I had learned from Nietzsche. I didn't learn from Plato. So when I found out we had learned, we had listened to that song and we had found out what it was about, I started getting more into Plato and um, Socrates. <clears throat> and it's a lot. I mean, it's philosophy is a lot. It's not just you're going to sit down for a weekend and read some books. Like, that's not how this goes. It's it's we're talking about thousands of years of philosophy and thousands of people that have written books and done lectures and videos now and it's just a lot it's a lot to have to look into and so that's why it's a lot easier usually to take a branch or you know dissect a branch of philosophy that you find interesting to you because not all philosophy is going to be interesting some isn't you know if you don't live in a certain part of the world and sometimes it just doesn't resonate with you which is perfectly fine but I do believe that, <clears throat> like why I named it, why I named the podcast what I did, because I truly, 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 if you cannot tell, believe that philosophy is something that should be learned and practiced by all, by all. I do not think that this is something that you can just say it's, you know, just brush it off as, you know, I don't want to exercise, so I'm not going to, you know, philosophy, I'm not going to do, if I'm not going to work out, why the fuck would I, you know, read philosophy or anything? Because I feel like if you have religion, you don't think that you need it. Or even if you don't have religion, you think that you don't need philosophy because it's bullshit. It's just it's just some old guys or women sitting around bullshitting and talking about what they think are ethics and what are, what's logical. And I mean, part of you would be right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. It is ethics and it is logic. But there are arguments for it or against certain things. But you have to realize that if it wasn't for philosophy, we would not be where we are as a civilization, period. 
So it takes some time to kind of figure out who your favorite philosophers are. I tend to go on the, you know, existential path of things or the pessimism, you know, side of things because to me it's more interesting. To me it's to think that and I'm not saying I, I believe all of it because I don't because I can I'm interested in pessimism, but at the heart of who I am, I am an optimist and I hate to even admit that shit out loud. I am an optimist and that's and it does hurt you to be an optimist in a lot of ways. Um that actually kind of goes into the picture of Russ Cole. So I don't know, like I said, it is, Russ Cole is a character, you know, uh, played by Matthew McConaughey in True Detective, the first season. He is, if you have not seen it, it's fucking amazing. I mean, essentially, Matthew McConaughey plays a complete polar opposite of who he is in, as a human being on the in the real world. And this is a man who is not, does not agree with religion at all, has no problem being open about that. He has no problem saying what he thinks about Christianity. Um, has no problem really saying a lot of things that most people would call taboo. And even Woody Harrelson, when they're in the in the car, and he's it's like, you know, I've been your partner for three months, and you haven't said shit. Like, I, I want to know about you. Like, what's going on? And he starts talking. He's like, you know what? We're going to be like, be silent now. We're just going to have a little quiet time. I don't know why the fuck I picked today to ask you this but can you just stop with the weird shit coming out of your mouth because he talks starts talking about the ethos and and all this stuff very lovecraftian type um words he's using which i of course i love because i love hp lovecraft to death uh anything that's lovecraft or poe you know edgar Allan poe anything like that if, if anyone mentions those words if you say ethos or mythos or anything like that I'm very like, oh, wow, you actually know H.P. Lovecraft then. Um, so, but yeah, so I just, it's, he is a pessimist. Russ Cole is a pessimist, but I would even say in this show, he takes pessimism to a whole other level. It's not that the glass is half empty or half full. His, in his mind, the glass is broken and it's all over the fucking floor. There is no glass half empty or full. There is no glass. It's broken on the floor. Do you not see what I'm talking about? So it's, that's what I'm, he is, and of course, like, it's a TV show. So it's not going to be exactly accurate when it comes to, I mean, it's just not going to be completely accurate when it comes to an actual philosophy. It's going to add some bells and whistles to it. It's going to make you interested in it. That's fine. I mean, that's just how shit is on TV. It's going to make you want to know more. And it, not, it might not be as fantasized or, you know, this great imagined, like idea once you get into it off screen, like off of the TV. But he definitely is a pessimist. And um, Schopenhauer, who is another uh, philosopher I love, um, he has uh, kind of a quote of, you know, a pessimist is, um, is an optimist. In full possession of the whole idea people will love and hate. I mean, I, ugh, shit. Schopenhauer has said, um, one of his quotes that I like the most is, a pessimist is an opportunist, or an oper- is an opportunist, a pessimist is an optimist in full possession of the facts, right? So we've been kind of, I would say we've we've been, you know, kind of brainwashing or brainwashed and brainwashing others to think that 
being an optimist is the only way to leave your lead your life. I mean, even when I tried to like YouTube, you know, Schumanhauer, Schumanhauer, and being a pessimist, there's a lot of videos that pop up on YouTube saying how to not be a pessimist, how being a pessimist is ruining ruining your life, how to be a better optimist, blah 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 blah. So we've got into this idea that being a pessimist is automatically bad. Okay, being an optimist is automatically good. Okay. So it's black or white. There's no, there's no gray areas, which I just love it when people have those kind of ideas of, oh, it's either this way or that way. It can't be any other way. It's just black or white. No, no gray, no gray. Even though we all live and reside and flourish in that gray area. We don't flourish or reside or thrive in a black or white area. We just don't. There's too many, it's, there's too many restrictions on that. And I don't think that's ever accurate. So I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, well, then maybe people just don't understand what pessimism really is. Why pessimism can be a really good thing. Why optimism can be a really bad thing. You don't have to be one or the other, really. I, I feel like even that kind of pigeonholes you into an ideal that I don't like to pigeonhole myself into anything. I don't want to say I'm this or that. I think that tends to, um, other than some of my politics, I tend to say I'm a libertarian because... That way, I people can identify me when they're trying to talk to me about politics. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really either side, so you can talk to me about whatever you want. I don't have an opinion. I don't like either one, so you can talk to me about whatever. But when it comes to optimism and pessimism, I feel like we've been told that you can only be one way. The other way is bad. Bad. It's negative. It's bad. Don't be that way. You know, it's Darth Vader versus you know, Luke, it's, it's, it's just not how it is. That's not how life works. That's why we like movies because it's very obvious who the winner is really. And even that honestly is not true because if you know anything about star Wars and I'm not going to get into star Wars, I'm not going to do this to you. I'm not going to get into this geek mode of explaining to you the old Republic and why really the Sith is not that bad. It's really the Jedi. I'm not, I won't, you know what? I'm not going to even do it. I'm going to stop myself from doing that because I will go on and on and it will turn into like a geek's corner and we're not doing that. So pessimism is something that, like I said, I don't possess it. And I really wish I did more than I don't um, because I do get my hopes up on a lot of things. I am the queen of getting my hopes up and being let down. I'm the queen, 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 queen. I'm the queen of it. I always have my hopes up with everything. This time it's going to be different. This time it's going to work out. I mean, it hasn't worked out the last 10 times, but man, this time it's going to work out. And I may not say it out loud, and I don't. I probably come off as one of the most pessimistic people ever to people that know me. Because I'm trying to save face in front of other people. But really, internally, I am very optimistic. It's going to be different. It's going to turn around. And then I get let down again, and I always say... You know, to my mother or to, you know, friends. I don't know why I got my hopes up this time. I don't know why. I, every fucking time, every fucking time I get my hopes up and I'm let down. You would think I would know better by now, but I don't. So, and that's what optimism is to me, is the hope, the wish that things are, this time though, they're going to be different. This, I mean, it's been 20 times, but this, this one time, fingers crossed, it's going to be different. It's just, it's like people that constantly buy lottery tickets, thinking, oh, well, you can't win if you don't play. You got to keep going. You got to keep playing. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. If you were really to sit down and logically think about the situation, 
and about how many times you've done this and what the outcome is, if you really were, say, a realist, you would be like, there's not a fucking, there's not a shot in hell. There's not a shot in hell this is going to happen. Not a shot in hell it's going to work. Not a shot in hell I'm going to be happy. Not a shot in hell things are going to get turned around. But we tell ourselves we still keep, you know, regurgitating this lie because we feel that it's necessary to do so to have hope in humanity and in life. When in reality, that's not true either. There is a such thing as toxic positivity. You know, toxic optimism. When you say, oh, you are the only one that can control your emotions. You're the only one, you know, if you want a good day, it's up to you. Well, no, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Um, And that's why I like Russ Cole so much is because he has no problem laying it all out there. Like, this is bullshit. And that's fine. He's not entirely happiest person on the planet. There are a lot of other pessimists that you can look up to. But... Pessimism is not a negative. And I think we've been told that for so long that we just regurgitate it because that's what we've been told. And that is another reason why pessimism is not bad because pessimists also tend to hold this standard or thought process or idea of question everything. And I already kind of go by that anyways because I am a skeptic. And I actually was going to discuss skepticism on this episode because it has been popping up so much in my life lately with friends and family and uh, in my home, just kind of discussing things with my husband and my kids. I wanted to talk about it. I thought skepticism would be a good discussion to have. Um, but I don't know if I'm really going to get into it that much this episode because I wanted to kind of go in into this with an introduction of kind of who I was, why I named the podcast what I did. You know, it wasn't just something I pulled out of my ass and why I picked the picture I picked because of, you know, because I'm sure some people are going to see that and be like, they know who that character is, but why would I pick that person to be, you know, the picture of a philosophy podcast? I feel like that there is so much philosophy in that show and it usually comes out of his mouth. Um, so that's why I picked him. But I really... Um, want people to understand why philosophy is so great and that there are so many different thought processes so many different uh branches and a philosophy and like i said these are ideas so you can kind of they're they're malleable right they're ideas ideas are malleable beliefs are not and that's when you kind of get into the dangerous territory of um extremism, you know, people that are, you know, die hard, whatever, they just don't break, they don't, they don't bend, they break when you tell things to them, or when you speak to them about things, and I think that's not a way to be as a human being, because, again, going back to me just being, wanting to be overtly positive to myself, not even to other people, um, is a disservice, it's a disservice to yourself, to not be able to be malleable with your beliefs, um, So I really believe that philosophy is something that we should all partake in. We should all look at as a utility. It's something that you need. It's it's something that should be put into our education system more than it is. Not just let's let's just you know touch on Plato because we're talking about that time period. Let's just touch on Socrates and no, these are this is a big deal. Like these people were big deals, and I feel like I mean 
even if you look at Voltaire and things of that nature, it's not a lot of them weren't just philosophers. They were also physicists and they did a lot of things for our culture as a whole. So I believe like you're just missing out <clears throat> when you decide to say, well, that's just, you know, that's not for me. Philosophy's not for me. Yeah. It's, it's like when someone says they don't meditate. Well, it's just not for me. Like, I, it's just, it, they seem like it's something that, it's like someone who's asking, you know, who's trying to ask money from them. Can they, can you lend me money? Like, they're shrugging off like it's, it doesn't matter. Like, no, 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 I don't, I don't meditate. You know, that's for the people that have money or I don't read philosophy because I just don't have time for that shit. Like, that's just, that's just woo-woo bullshit. And that is the least woo-woo thing in the world, honestly. And we can get into some woo-woo stuff, but like I said, that's for, sorry, that's for the skepticism episode, which I will do at a later date. Uh, it is something that's important and it does make you think it makes you kind of prioritize the things in your life and how you feel um, there's nothing wrong with with looking at things from a different perspective and I think we all deserve we all deserve that and we all owe that to ourselves so that we're not sitting here miserable and even if you are saying you're miserable because sometimes reading some existential philosophers can make you feel miserable than you thought you did <laughs> you can realize that these people think that life has no purpose you know you have no purpose to be here there's no reason and so that's what's so great about it you know is what they believe like uh albert camus wrote you know on in the myth of sisyphus he asked everyone to imagine sisyphus happy right this is a guy who's damned for eternity for rolling a hill rolling a rock up a hill and then it going back down him having to run back down and chase it and roll it back up for eternity. That's that is his life. Well, with Albert Camus, what he thought was is that that's exactly how our lives are. It's very monotonous. It is ridiculous. The shit we have to do every day, day in, day out, whatever. If you imagine Sisyphus happy, then you can somewhat imagine yourself happy in the monotony that is life. And it's not like this everywhere, but you have to, you know, get up, you have to take care of kids. Every day is essentially groundhog day. And it is. So if you can imagine him happy, then you should be able to imagine yourself happy as well. And that's just how existentialists think. They think that, yeah, life has no meaning. Yes, you know, when we die, we die. It is what it is. But with all of that, that that even gives you more of a reason to enjoy the life that you are given now. Because there is no afterlife. You don't get shit after this. So it makes you want to appreciate that rose a little bit more it makes you want to hug your friend a little bit longer it makes you want to enjoy that meal a little bit more because that's it this is it this is all you get you don't get anything else and your life has no meaning really so if it has no meaning then you can enjoy you can just say you know what fuck it great you're taking the shackles off a little bit the mental shackles off just a little bit to think that you have to be perfect you have to strive to be best at everything for whatever reason, because a lot of people do. And if that's how you're raised or how you felt that that would give you attention while you're being, you know, brought up or whatever, but striving for perfection does nothing but fuck with you. And then fuck with, you can fuck with your family and friends and keep you away in, from relationships. But that's a whole, so you can be a little bit more depressed when you read the philosophers of existentialism. But at the end, like, I just want to kind of wrap it up here. This isn't going to be the law. I mean, this is not going to be very long because, like I said, I was very nervous to even do this. So I will have a little bit better notes. I'll have more of a script next time. 
I was just so like, my gut was like tense. I was like, I'm gonna vomit. I was texting all my friends. I'm gonna vomit. I'm gonna vomit. I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> so scared. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of get. I wanted to get an episode out there because. I wanted you guys to understand why I did what I did and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And But next time I promise there will be a better script. I will actually write a script this time. It won't be like fly by the seat of my pants type of shit. Or maybe it will. I don't know. It kind of just depends on what everyone thinks. So I just wanted to get this out and I'm going to do this every week. I'm going to talk about different shit. If you guys have people that you like or philosophers that you like, branches of philosophy that you like, thought processes that you like processes or processes whatever that you actually like that you you know kind of had an affinity for or something that you you think that I should touch on I'm more than welcome to take on um some kind of you know a little little bit of help would be nice you know if you guys want to do that that'd be great but anyways I really appreciate you guys just taking the time and listening to my bullshit my rambling and like I said I will be a little bit more put together next time. So I hope you guys have a great night. Thanks.